God be with you. Are we still doing okay? We're still here? So last week, if you were here, we didn't really make it to this part of the service, did we? We were having such a good, good, good time hearing the stories of those people who were stepping out further in faith that we, we kind of ran out of time. Um, and really, that's the way it should have been, right? Because uh, it was such an honor to hear those stories. Um, and the whole thing, I think, was also a really, really good reminder about what we're about as a church. Because baked into what this whole church thing is about is helping people experience that something bigger than themselves. To help them name it as creator, as spirit, as Christ, or whatever words you want to use. To help them connect with it, to enter into it. Um, and find there a life of identity and purpose, meaning and joy. A life, as we would say here, caught up in what God is doing in this world. I mean, that's why I'm here. And I know that's why you're here. And because it was such a good day last week, and because it does connect with what we're about as the church, I thought it would be fun to let us marinate in that a little bit more and try to offer it to us in a way that's less, oh, that was so, that was so nice. But more like, oh, yeah, that was nice. And kind of move into a way where we can really hold it and leave with that. And so to do that, we'll enter into the ancient story that Corolla just read, because I think there's something there that can help us hold on to that experience and really bring out who we are and what we're about, not just as a church, but also as individuals looking to connect with the divine and let it shape who we are. So even if you weren't here last week, don't worry. What we're about to get into really it doesn't hinge on what happened last week. But are you with me? We're ready? Sounds okay? Some of you? Great. So today, my friends, we'll start off with a story that that story made me think of. Then we'll talk about what's wrong with Jesus. Then we'll talk about the importance of shifting. Then we'll talk about the other thing. And then we'll finish off with a thing that Steve said. But first, uh, knowing that God is with us, and knowing that we're asking God to speak, let's bow our heads and let's say a quick prayer. So God, here we are. Again, all of us from different places with different needs and wants and different intentions. Uh, may you speak to us. Give us as a community, but also us as individuals, something to chew on, something to take home with us, something that is good, beautiful, and true. So God, make these words your own, and we turn it over to you. Amen. So there once was a guy named Dick Rowe, and Dick was a music exec at a place called Decca Records. And Dick's job wasn't just to sign new bands, but Dick's job was to predict music trends and go and find the band so his company could get ahead of the curve and make some money. And so while Dick was very good at his job, and he did exactly that, that's not the reason why Dick Rowe became famous. He's famous because he wrote a memo to his boss. 
1962, his boss came to him with a tape and said, listen to this band. I think they're really good. I want you to let me know if we should sign them. And so he did. Then he wrote a memo to his boss saying it would be crazy, ridiculous, crazy to sign this band. Guitar bands, he wrote, are on their way out. The band, of course, was the Beatles. A guitar band that ended up being one of the, if not the most influential band of all time, inspiring guitar bands to this very day. And Dick Rowe, despite signing some amazing musicians like the Rolling Stones and Van Morrison and Tom Jones, would go down in history as the guy who said no to the crazy idea of signing the Beatles. I thought of Dick's story because I think Dick's story and the story that we heard from the scriptures have a lot in common. Because each of these stories are of people being confronted with the crazy. The story that we heard can be found in Mark's gospel. That's one of the accounts that talks about who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. And the story takes us right back to the very beginning of Jesus doing his thing. So he's been at it for maybe a hot second. But already he's getting quite the buzz. Everybody is talking about him. And he's gotten so big, in fact, that we're not only told that the the rich, elite, and powerful came to see him, but who else came to see him? His family, his friends, as the translation we put it uh, to this morning. And why? Why did the rich, elite, and and powerful, but also his family come to see him? Well, they didn't come with the same agenda as everybody else. While everyone else came with the sense that Jesus was just humming with reverence, what did the elite and his family think? Well, they kind of thought Jesus was a little crazy, didn't they? I mean, it's not hard to blame them, is it? I mean, look at them. There's Jesus hanging out with John the Baptist, a known political radical and revolutionary. There is Jesus talking about how one day he went into the river and the heavens opened up and God's voice declared him the Son of God. There is Jesus sharing a story about how once he was in the desert and he faced off against the devil, and get this, he won. There is Jesus thinking he's magic by healing people. There is Jesus telling how we got it all upside down. There's actually a new way, a better way to live and understand the world. And there is Jesus calling a bunch of blue-collar men and women, women, to be students, as if they could amount to anything. I mean, if it looks like a duck, if it sounds like a duck. So the elite did uh, one of two things we tend to do when we are encountered with crazy people and ideas. They condemn it. They called it evil, proclaiming that he was in cahoots with the devil and warning everyone to stay away from him. And his family, well, they did the other thing that we tend to do when being confronted with the crazy. They staged an intervention. They tried to save him, saying, you're besides yourself. This is not you. This is not who we know that you are. They try to bring him back to his senses, back to what's appropriate, back into something less embarrassing, less controversial, something much, much more normal. 
Because that's what we do with crazy, isn't it? When something or someone or some idea is just too different, too far out there, too beyond our experience or understanding, and if we're being honest, just too threatening, we do the things that we saw in this story. We either gaslight it, we call it crazy, or whatever other name we can think of, cutting off its voice, marginalizing it into the corners, or we try to save it out of love, out of shame, embarrassment, whatever. We tame it, we muzzle it, we draw it back into the realm of what's acceptable, what's safe, and what's comfortable. I mean, we do that with crazy, don't we? It's certainly what we've done for years around sexual assault. Oh, she's crazy, don't listen to her. That could never happen. It's certainly what we do in politics. Go green, only some lives matter? That's crazy. It's certainly what we do around the dinner table. Shh, don't tell them you're vegan, that's crazy. Can't you just be normal? This is family time. It's certainly what we do with life decisions. What do you mean you're not getting married? What do you mean you're going to have a career and raise kids? That's, that's just nuts. And it's certainly what we do when being offered things like grace and kindness and gratitude. Oh, no. No, not me. Shh, that's, no, you're being silly. Not, I, no, no, that's crazy. Anyone know what we're talking about? Yeah, I think we all do. When it comes to the crazy, when it comes to the things that do not fit into our boxes, we've been taught that something is going to be wrong with it and that we need to respond in one of two ways. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The wisdom of our tradition would say there's actually another way to deal with the crazy. There's a third option that we need to consider. A friend of mine once told me this old Buddhist parable. And if you were at pub night, you heard it. This parable about how once there was a crazy monk who once held up a stick in his hand. And he asked, what do I have in my hands? And there was a seeker of truth there. But he was a seeker of a very particular kind of truth. And he said, it's a stick. And then the monk hit the man in the head with a stick and said, no, that's what it is. Exactly. The third option when it comes to the crazy is the wisdom that crazy isn't always something to reject, but can be something that we have to embrace. It's something that we have to embrace because sometimes... From the right angle, from the right perspective, crazy is exactly what we need. Because the problem with how we generally deal with crazy, the problem with those two ways, is that we only see one side of what's crazy. We just see the side that jars us and confuses us. We just see the side that we can't comprehend, the side that simply makes no sense. But if we shift perspective, if we take a step to the right or to the left, and we see it from a different angle, we can begin to see the crazy in a whole new way, 
a way that opens up a whole new world and a whole new kind of truth. I mean, take a look for yourself. It's a duck. You're crazy if you think otherwise. It is obviously a duck. But shift to the right. Huh. Well, maybe it's not a duck. Maybe it's a rabbit. Maybe it wasn't so crazy after all. I mean, try the same thing with Jesus. Why were people calling him crazy? They heard him calling himself the Son of God. They saw him healing people. They heard him talking about fighting evil spirits. And they heard him giving this new wisdom on God and what it means to be human and alive in this world. Yeah, kind of sounds a little crazy. But let's take a step to the right and to the left. And what do you see? Oh, we don't just see him calling himself God's son. Oh my God, we see that God's amongst us. We see a God who knows what it's like to be human. We see a God that can look at us and say, me too. I know what that's like. I am in solidarity with you. We don't just see him healing people. We see him taking these people who are written off and cast out as worthless and broken and restoring them back into dignity, back into wholeness, and back into community. We don't just see him talking about fighting the devil. We see him talking about his interiors, giving us each permission to talk about the hells that we endure and all the anxieties and stresses and temptations that come with being human and alive. We don't just see him deconstructing what we know and what we love. We see him expanding our consciousness about the, the divine and showing us a deeper, more ancient love about how to live in connection with God, each other, creation, and with ourselves. Crazy? Well, maybe. Sure. But isn't that exactly the kind of crazy that we need these days? Do we really want to say no to that kind of crazy? In our lives, in a world of racism, discrimination, violence, division, anxiety, and scarcity? In a world where making money means more than caring for this planet? In a world where we tolerate children being taken away from their parents? In a world where schools ignore the needs of our children? In a world where more people believe they're more ugly and broken than beautiful and worthy? Maybe this is exactly the kind of crazy that we need. Maybe this is exactly the kind of perspective we need to have that life and world that we're each here longing for. And maybe the trick to finding that life and world is learning to shift, is learning to see the thing behind the thing, and learn the wisdom that crazy is not something to reject, but crazy is something to embrace. And maybe for us, as we continue to think about the church and what it is that we're doing here and what this life we're all here looking for and trying to make, maybe this is something we really need to sit with. And maybe this is, this is something that we need to try on. Because in the story, who does Jesus say are his mother, his brother, and his sisters? 
Who does Jesus say are his family, his tribe, his community? The disciples. The people in that room. And who are the disciples? They are the ones who believe there's something bigger than themselves at work in this world. They're the ones who believe they can walk on water. They're the ones who believe everything and everyone belongs. They're the ones who have chosen to trust and believe in things like resurrection and liberation. They're the ones who chose to leave everything behind and pursue a life of love. The people in that room are the ones who have chosen to embrace the crazy. Or to put it, as Jesus did, they've chosen to do God's will. They've chosen to participate with what God is doing in this world. So who does Jesus say are his kind of people? The crazy people. Those who, when craziness appears, do not shut it down or tame it, but who step to the side, see God behind it, and embrace it. To be the church, to do what we do, to be what we're all about, is to be the people who dare to believe all the crazy and ridiculous things like diversity is more beautiful than uniformity, or that this world can be big enough for everyone, or that we should all care, or that we can always grow and learn and make a difference no matter how old that we are, or that grace and love's the way of the universe, and that God is still at work in this world. Are you with me? Do you believe in those kinds of things? Are you a little bit crazy too? Good. I hope so. Because here's the other, other thing. And that other thing is the catch and the rub. This is so much more than simply a cute way to talk about what it means to be a person of faith or be the church. There's actually a really important point baked into the story that we have to hear and we have to be challenged with. Right after saying who Jesus counts as his family, uh, what does Jesus say? He says something kind of a little scary, doesn't he? He talks about the unforgivable sin about either blaspheming or, as we heard it, repudiating the Holy Spirit. I know, right? Unforgivable sin? God doesn't forgive? That's not very Jesus-y. I mean, if God's a God of love, how, how can she not forgive? Now, I don't think that Jesus is being literal here. Of course, God is all-forgiving, all-loving, and all-gracious. That's the craziest idea of them all. What Jesus is doing is using a little bit of hyperbole to get our attention about something that is super, 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 super important. What Jesus is saying is the only way to that life and world we long for, the only way to a world of justice and peace, the only way to lives that are full, deep, and meaningful, the only way to the kind of life and world that God wants us to have. The only way is to get get caught up in that spirit that we call holy. 
by that generative and creative divine energy that animates us, that makes us fully alive and moves us closer and closer and closer to wholeness. To say no to crazy. To shut it down by gaslighting it or trying to tame it. Well, Jesus is saying, that's to get in the way of God. And if there's one thing you should never ever do, if there's one thing that will stop us from getting anywhere, is to get in the way of God. As the great prophet James of Hendricks put it, craziness is the only way to heaven. So if we're here this morning celebrating church, if we're here trying to be a part of what God is doing in this world, and if we're here to get caught up in that spirit, let's hear this invitation and let's heed its warning. May we choose to embrace the crazy. And may we let that craziness shape and guide everything that we do, knowing and trusting that the kinds of lives and the kind of world that God wants to have needs a little bit of crazy. And so we'll end with this. A blessing of sorts from the very guy who chose to pursue a crazy idea that he had over 14 years ago. And that crazy idea was this, that one day we would all have these little things in our pockets that you could basically do anything on. And so to you, the church, to all of us, to the new, to the old, to the crazy, here's to you. As Steve Jobs put it, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs and square holes, the one who sees things differently. They're not fond of rules. They have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, you can disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. But the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, may we choose to see the genius behind it. Because the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are often the ones that do. So may we go, may we be crazy, may we change the world, and to that the church says, Amen.